0: The following is a teaching from Church of the Redeemer. We pray that you will be blessed by this teaching.
1: Would you grab your Bibles, grab your teaching sheets this morning? We're continuing our series called Pray. Everyone say pray. 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 Last week, Pastor Dale started our series, and he laid a a great foundation on prayer. If you missed that teaching, make sure, grab that teaching. It'll be a great start to our series. But today, we turn our attention to the first topic of prayer. You know, prayer is such an important part of our spiritual life. It's such an important part of our walk with God. If our prayer life is growing—listen, this is important—if our prayer life is growing— then our relationship with God is growing because prayer is what connects us to God and allows us to communicate with him. Think about that. The way that we communicate and connect with God is through prayer. That's the one way that we can communicate and we can connect with Almighty God. So if I know that that's my line, my line to God is what? Let me hear you a little bit louder. My one line, my line to God is what? It is prayer. It's prayer. So if that's my line to God, I want to become very, very effective in prayer. Amen? I want to become very, very effective because I know that if my prayer life is growing, then my relationship with God is also going to be growing. In fact, James said it this way. He said, the effective prayer, the effective prayer of a righteous man has wonderful results. I love that. It has what kind of results? Wonderful results. Effective prayer of a righteous man has wonderful results. I want my prayers to be effective. I don't know if you've had someone maybe in your life, a friend, a close person, maybe it's a close friend or a spouse or someone that you just talk to all the time, you're texting them all the time or calling all the time, like every chance you get, you're going to call them, you're going to text them, you're just giving them information, you're just sharing life, sharing information, and perhaps they've gone on a trip, maybe even out of the country where that communication has had to stop for uh, some period of time, maybe because they can't. Not around their phone as much, maybe they don't have a line to you, whatever it might be, but something begins to happen uh, in that relationship, whether you notice it or not. Over time, you, you start to sense a little bit of what? Distance, right? You, you sense a little bit of distance. Like, mm, I don't feel like, I feel like we're a little bit, we'll, we'll call it, we'll say we're disconnected. Why? Because we're not talking to each other. There's, we're not sharing life. We're not sharing the details of our life. And all of a sudden, because nothing else has changed. Listen, they haven't offended you. They haven't done anything. You haven't done anything to them. There's only one thing that changed, that changed the entire di- dynamic of the relationship. What was it that changed? The communication. That's it. And in the same exact way, our relationship with God can be effective if we don't have constant, continual communication with Almighty God. I want our life to be growing in Him. And the way that we do that is through that prayer, through constant communication with God. There's a couple of ways that I get to my home. One of the ways, one of the roads that I can take, um, it's every time, it happens every time, I get close to that area, I get into that area, and my phone loses, just like that, it loses all kinds of reception. Anybody ever been like that? Like you walk into a building, or like you drive through a road, you just know before you even get there, right? You're like, I'm I'm about to drop this call, so say your last words, because I'm not going to talk to you for like, five minutes. It's going to be crazy, right? Um, and so we, we, we just leave. I, I, will, I will avoid that road at all costs, right? I'm, I'll take the long way home just so that I avoid that area. And, and we call those areas something. What do we call them? We call them dead zones. Everyone knows about dead zones. We don't like dead zones, right? Why? Because we don't have any kind of communication with anyone. And I think sometimes that we can actually uh, get into a pattern where we're living our life and our relationship with God. We're living in a dead zone. That's not how God intended us to live with him. God intended us for us to live in constant, continual communication with him. It happens through prayer. One time Jesus was with his disciples and he kind of scooted off to the side and he began to pray. The Bible says he began to pray. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what he was praying, but that he was praying, the Bible says. And the Bible says that he came back to his disciples and that his disciples said something. They said, they said Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Now, this is very interesting. It's very important that we get this because these disciples, they were actually very familiar with prayer. They, they were around prayer a lot. They probably recited a lot of prayers. They said a lot of prayers themselves. They grew up uh, in synagogues, most of them just um, being around prayer. It's not like they weren't familiar with prayer. They were very familiar with prayer prayer, but here's what they were asking. They weren't actually asking Jesus how, teach us how to pray. They were saying, "Jesus teaches how to pray like that." <laughs> right? Because they saw something different in the way that Jesus pray. What was it? It was the results that Jesus was having. It was something about the way Jesus was praying that they said, we want that kind of prayer. I want that kind of prayer. Amen. I want my prayers. Don't you want that your prayers would have wonderful results like James 5 says, right? Don't you want your prayer life that when you pray, you feel connected to Almighty God and that your prayers are having a powerful, wonderful results. And so Jesus, in response to their request, he, he, he responds with something that we know as the Lord's Prayer, right? Everyone's know, heard the Lord's Prayer, right? We, we hear the Lord's Prayer. And so Jesus began to lay out for them the Lord's Prayer. But there's something very important about the, the Lord's Prayer that we need to understand is that Jesus wasn't telling them what to pray. He was telling them how to pray, he unfolded for them not the words that should be recited. He was unfolding for them a pattern of prayer because he understood something and he was trying to teach them something that the power, uh, the, that the pattern of prayer is what would release the power of prayer. The pattern that he was unfolding for them would release the power of prayer in their life. And so he began his whole prayer pattern by saying this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let me read it right from this translation in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. It says, he said, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Matthew 6, 9 in the NIV. Would you all read this with me together? All campuses, let's read this loudly and strongly. This is what it says. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus taught us that prayer involves a fixed focus, right? If our focus is unclear, our prayers will be just vague. And so let's take a look at four facts about prayer that will help us to keep our focus fixed on the right thing. Number one, we have to understand that you have a privileged position. How did Jesus start the pattern of prayer? He said, our father. Everyone say, our father. He said, our father. This was not just an introduction. This was a declaration of a relationship. He said, our Father. He took a word that is so near and dear and he put it right at the front and he said, our Father. He was declaring over us a relationship that everything comes under the name that is above every name. That is the Father that is in heaven. He said, our Father. Can I ask you something? Is God your father, you don't have to answer that out loud, but think about that for a second. Is God your father? Because if God is your father, it changes everything about you. When you step into relationship with the Father of heaven, it changes everything about you you. It changes your identity. It changes everything about who you are and how you behave. When you step over into the family of God, he becomes your father. And now you have taken on the identity of almighty God. You've stepped into the family of God. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, how do we step across that line from from out of the family and into the family? Is that something that's reserved just for some people? Is it it something that, well, some can be and some can't be? Do you have to work hard? Do you have to try real hard? you have to be real good? I just want uh, just to put that to rest this morning. We don't have to try hard and work hard to get into the family of God. Amen? We, We step in and cross over into the family of God one way. It's by faith. In Jesus, that's it. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to who? The Father, except through me. How? have to try harder? Have to work harder? No, you don't have to work harder. You just have to surrender more. You don't have to, it's not, if I could, if, if I could earn my way into a relationship with God, then I could easily earn my way out. I promise. It will only take a few minutes, right? We don't earn our way. We are in the family by putting our faith in Almighty God. And when we accept him, we believe, we say, we're going to believe that he is who he says he is. We put our faith in God. We step in to the family of God and all of a sudden you have a father who loves you you have a father who cares for you and you know for some that uh, the word father might bring good memories for some it might bring bad memories but you have a father God who loves you who who cares for you who is there for you you have a father that is above every father the father God, who loves us so much. I love this. So, how do we step in to that relationship with God? Listen to John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, But to all who believed and accepted him, to all who believed and all who accepted him, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. I love that. They are reborn. This is not a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan. The rebirth comes from God. How? How do we get into the family of God? It's by believing, the Bible says, and by accepting. That's how. That's all it takes. It sounds so simple, yet some of us. It's so difficult because we have a hard time putting our faith in him. If you're here today, let me tell you, if you're here today, you've never put your faith in God. Do it now. Do it today. It'll change everything about you. I promise there's a void in our life that only God can fill. He is our father. He is our father. I love that. I love that. Romans chapter 8 verse 14, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, so you should not be like a cowering, fearful slave. You're not a slave. You are a son, right? You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted into his family, calling him what? Father, dear Father, for his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are God's children. How do we become part of the family? By By believing and accepting Him. I love that. We're not slaves. We are sons, right? We are not slaves to God. We are sons of God. We are in the family of God. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. God saved you by His special favor when you what? When you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so, none of us can boast about it. How do we do it? We do it by believing and accepting. We do it by believing and by accepting. Once we step into the family of God, let me tell you something. There's some tremendous, tremendous benefits that God gives you as being part of the family. You know, when you are a part, of a family, there's certain benefits in that family that other people don't have, right? Because this is for the family, right? This is, this is reserved for the family. And when you step into relationship with God, you are now in the family and you have some benefits. And what are some of those benefits? Number one, I think you're connected, you're connected to God. What, what are the, one of the greatest benefits that we can have is that now we can have a line straight to God because now we are connected by faith in Him. We're connected to God. But what else do we call the family? We call it the family, right? We call it the family of God. So we're connected to God, but we're also connected to each other. So the people around you this morning, they're family, right? T- turn to people next to you and say, You're family. Come on, you're family, right? You are family. Mm, I know you've been waiting to say that all morning. Your family, your family. And this is where God speaks to us about just community, right? Being connected with one another. He, he we call it, we call it the family of God for a reason because it's a community of believers, and this is why. Um, relationships with other people who are following Jesus are so important. And if you don't have those, let me just encourage you, find some. You'll be blessed beyond measure by the connections that you make with other believers that you can sharpen them. They can sharpen you. And so when you step in, you have the benefit of being connected to God. You have the benefit of being connected to other people. Here at our church, we do a variety of ways, group life groups or serving on teams, lots of different ways, but that's a way. It's not just for the church to grow. It's a way for you to grow, right? It's a way for us to grow as a community of believers. Get into the family of God. You have a privilege to be connected to God and to others, and then so we're connected, and we're also accepted. We're accepted into the family of God. I love That God, he stands there with arms wide open all the time. It doesn't matter where I've been, how long I've been gone, how bad I've fallen. My father, God, has accepted me just as I am. I don't have to clean myself off. I don't have to get myself right. I can come just as I am and step into the family. Why? Because God does not accept me based off of my righteousness. He accepts me based off of his righteousness, amen? I am accepted not because of who I am. I am accepted because of who he is. Come on, right? I'm getting excited about this, thinking about, wow, if it was up to me, I'd never be in the family of God, but I'm in the family of God because of who he is, not because of who I am. You are connected and you are accepted. I love that, right? Number two, we're taking notes. So we understand that we have a privileged position, right? We have a privileged position. You also have an available father. He is available to you. You have an available father who is available to you. It's not like he is this powerful God that is not available to you. He is available to you. So he's In our hearts, right, we understand that when we accept and when we believe and we accept him into our life, that he comes into our hearts. But watch this. He's in our hearts, but he's also over us. He's in us, but he's over us. Where does the Bible said that he dwells? He said our father in heaven. Where is he? In heaven. He's in us, but he's also over us. And if He is over us, that means that He is over every situation in your life. Do you feel lonely? He is over that situation. Do you feel like you are hopeless in a situation at home or at work? He is over that situation because God is not confined to the limits that we have as humans. We're limited, He is limitless. Right? We, are, we have some resources that are limited. He is full of resources from heaven over us. We are, we are limited. He is not limited. You serve a God who is in you, but he is over you, and he is over every situation in your life. That means that he is victorious, and because he is victorious, you are victorious because you're a part of his family. So I walk in victory Not hoping I'll have victory, I walk in victory because he is the victorious one. And think about it, the God who is victorious, the God who is strong, the God who is supernatural, the God that nothing can confine because he is above us in heaven. That's the God who's available to you. How? Prayer. Sounds so simple, right? Through prayer. I acknowledge, God, you are my father. You are in heaven. You are available for me. Listen to Psalm chapter 46, verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength. Always. Everyone say always. Come on, I can't hear the campuses. Everyone say "Always." always. Always. He is always ready to help in times of trouble. When is he available to help? Always. You have a father that is available to help you. When? Always, always, always. Listen to, I love this uh, this, uh, Psalm, chapter 138, verse three. It says, when I called, you answered me. You made me bold by strengthening my soul. When I called, you answered me. When I called, you answered me. You know that you have a God that when you call, he answers you. You might feel it, you might not. But he always answers. When you're at work, when you call, he answers. What if, what if we lived our life in a way that we always sought God first? He was not a last resort. Well, I've tried everything else. I did as hard as I could. I guess I'll pray. No. What if we sought God first? What if we started seeking God in everything that we do now? This doesn't have to be complicated. It's not You know, have to be long hours. You can seek God in just a moment, and you can know and trust that He says that when you call, He will answer. I know there's no one here at any of our campuses now like this, but maybe you have a friend um, who you feel like never answers their phone. Anybody know someone like that? Right, Uh, like. I call them, they never answer, right? I know no one here does that. They look at their phone like, oh, I'll get that later, right? Or uh, you send a text message and like they never get back to you. Or like six days later, they'll return your text message. And like, what happened to that? Oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. Somehow I got caught up doing something, which obviously happens. But listen, God's not like that. The Bible says that when you call, he answers you. When you call, he answers you. When you call, he answers you. I it mean it's like all of us, like all of us as a family, when like when we call, what if we all call at the same time? There is no busy signal. God, God is always of it because he's so big. I hope we can get this. He's so big that he's not limited by our thinking or what our bandwidth might be. His bandwidth is unlimited. He's got an unlimited bandwidth for you and for me. And you can trust. You can just take it to the bank. He said it right here, Psalm 138, that when you call, he will answer you. Are you calling on Almighty God? And then, you know, I was started thinking as I was reading that passage and preparing, I was thinking, when I, when, when I call, he answers me. I just had this real th- quick thought and kind of on the side here. But I wonder if that when God calls that I answer when he calls, when I call, I answer. Or when I, when I call, he answers. But how about when he calls, do I answer? I want my spirit to be so sensitive to the voice of God that when he calls, I answer, right? But there's only one way to do that, and that's by being sensitive and connected, and I'm communicating, I'm constant, I'm becoming familiar with the voice of God. I want to be so familiar With the voice of God, that when he calls, I answer. Let's reverse it too, right? Let's make this a two-way street, that when I call, I can trust that he answers, and that when he calls, he can trust that I answer as well. Number three, number three, is that you have to recognize that you have access to his power. You have access to his power. He said, our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your name be honored. Our Father, we recognize that we have a privileged position. In heaven, we recognize that he is available to us. May your name be honored. He, he brings in the name that is above every name. I love this. May your name be honored. You know, when we say, in Jesus' name, when we say, in Jesus' name, It's not just a way for everyone in the circle to know that the prayer is over. That's not what in Jesus' name is. In Jesus' name is what really seals the power of Almighty God over your prayer. Because it's in Jesus' name that the resources of heaven are released. It's in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus that the resources of heaven are released into our life. How is it? It's by no other name than the name of Jesus. Jesus is the one who is above all. But it's in the name of Jesus that there is power, there is wonder-working power in the precious name of our Lord Jesus. It is in Jesus' name that we call heaven down to earth. It's in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, in the Old Testament, um, they used different titles to describe God's character, because God is so big that one title was not enough. And so they would give him multiple titles. It was one God. Listen, one God, multiple titles. That'd be cool, right? Like one God, and we got multiple titles. We have a God who's one God who has multiple titles. Can we go through a few of those? They're, they're, they're compound names used in the Old Testament. We're just going to go through some of them, not all of them, but... Um, Let me read some of these to you. He says, I am your provider. I am your provider. Just Jehovah Jireh, right? I am your provider. If you're in a time of need in your life, you have a God who says his name is. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. I am your provider. He didn't say I provide. He said, I am your provider whatever it is that you need, I can provide it. Wow, that's a big statement. Think about that. He didn't just say a specific need. He said, I am your provider. Whatever it is that you need, I can provide it. Then he says, I am your healer. I am your healer. You have a God and I have a God who is a healer. And sometimes when we think about God being our healer, it's, You know, sometimes we can think we can limit it to just physical healing. We have a God who is a healer of every area, heart, soul, mind, spirit, everything about us. He is our healer. If you're in a relationship, maybe there's hurt in your heart and in your mind. Maybe you've gone through something that's just bruised you on the inside. The Bible says that you have a God who is your healer. And I want to say something in this moment. Maybe you're here and that's you. I want you to know there is no hurt. There is no offense That's too big for our mighty God to heal. God can heal it, but you have to take the hurt to him and allow him to do the process and the work of healing in your life. I believe that we have a God who can heal any relational hurt that you might have. If that's you today, go to God, take it to him, release that to God, allow God the healer. He is the great physician. He is your healer. He says, I am Your sanctifier. I love that. He sanctifies us. He purifies us. He, I am your righteousness. We talked a little bit about that, but think about that. He is my righteousness. I'm not my righteousness. Thank God I am not my righteousness. He is my righteousness. He says, I am your righteousness. Righteousness. That means that you can stand confidently in the family on his righteousness, not on your own. And that just releases in my heart something that I go, wow, I can praise and thank God because I have a God who is my righteousness. He says, I am ready for this one. This is so good. I am so simple yet so profound. I am there. That's the name. The name is I am there. And go, well, where is there? There. Wherever. Wherever you are, he says, I am right there. If you're isolated, if you're lonely, maybe you're surrounded by many people, but on the inside you're feeling by yourself, God said, I am there. I'm, that's my name. It's who I am. I am there with you. I am your peace. You know, sometimes we go through things, and And life just tries to rob the peace, to pull the peace out of you, right? But he says, I am your peace. He says that I am the peace. I give you peace that passes all understanding in those moments in life where you just feel so much tension and turmoil on the inside. You can look to God who is your peace. He can give you peace in the middle of any, any mess that you might walk through. And then he says, I am your shepherd. I am your shepherd. I love that he's my shepherd. I love that when I have to walk through life, that he is the shepherd who guides me. He shows me where to go. And he shows me where not to go. He shows me what doors to walk through, what opportunities to say yes to, what opportunities to say no to. But I have to be connected. I have to get familiar with the voice of my shepherd. He says, I am your shepherd. I am ready to guide you through every walk. What about this relationship? What do I do about it? He's your shepherd. Go to the shepherd. If you get familiar, in tune with the voice of the shepherd, he will guide you. There's sometimes maybe you got to get into something or you are got to get out of something. Go to the shepherd. The shepherd will guide you through. You say, well, is he going to be, is it, can I hear him audibly? Or No, it's, it, he's, he'll speak to you. He'll show you the way. Just continue to seek him. He'll give you a piece about the way to go. He says, when you, whether it's to the right or whether it's to the left, you'll hear a voice behind you saying what? this is the way, walk in it. I love that, right? Whether it's to the right or to the left, in front of, behind you. He says, this is the way, walk in it. Let's get familiar with the voice of our almighty shepherd. Listen, this is the powerful name of Jesus, right? What did we say? He is our righteousness. He is our peace. He is um, our sanctifier. He is there he is my shepherd, he is my provider, he is my healer, that is the name. So when you say, in Jesus' name, that's what you're stamping on your, on your prayer. I look to him, he is the one. I am privileged to be in the family of God. I recognize that. What a privilege it is to be in the family of God. I recognize that he is a God who is available to me. He's available for every need that I have. And then I see that, wow, I have access to the power, the powerful name of Jesus. Ephesians chapter one, verse 19 says, I want you to know about the great and mighty power that God has for us who? Believers. The great power, I want you to know about it, it's a great power that's available for us believers. It's the same wonderful power that he used when he raised Christ from death and let him sit at his right side in heaven. Listen, listen. the, 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 the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that's the same power, the Bible says, that's available for you and for me. Now, if you think about the fact that we have a God who is all powerful, unlimited, available for anything that you need. Wouldn't you go to the Lord in prayer? It says, "Be anxious about nothing, but what? Pray about everything. What if we prayed about everything? I think it would change so much." Number 4. Number 4. You are a representative of his kingdom. You are a representative Think about it. You are a representative of his kingdom. You step into the family of God. You have a father. You're part of the kingdom. You recognize that, man, I have a God, a father who's available to me, right? He's available to me. The power of Almighty God I can tap into. The natural overflow of that is I'm going to represent him wherever I go, right? People are going to look at my life and go, there's something different about that person. What's the difference? It's that they're walking under the submission and in the authority that God has given them. You know, uh, you probably are familiar with this in your home or in environments that you've grown up, but I've got two little boys and I'm trying to train and the, the things that we do and don't do, the say and don't say and behave and don't, wa- and don't behave, right? And there's times uh, if you have... Boys, you'll understand this, but uh, there's lots of times where there has to be some kind of re, uh, redirection or correction. Go ahead. We don't do that. Right. That's probably the most popular phrase in my house. We don't do that. Right. Because there's what I'm trying to teach a standard to live by. But on a much, much, much higher level, we have a God who we also represent everywhere we go. And I go, boys, we don't do that. Right. We don't do that. Or, hey, guys, this is how we do it. Right? But that's how uh, the reflection of our relationship with God ought to be, right? That God, we, we learn the standard of God, and of course we're going to fail. We're sinful. We're going to mess up. We're going to fall. Uh, but by the grace of God, we stand up. But our hearts is to reposition ourselves to walk in line with who God is because I have to understand that everywhere I go, I am a representative of God. One, one translation says, um, You are ambassadors of Christ. You know what an ambassador is, right? It's just a representative. It's a, it's a, a representative from one country in another country that represents the, uh, their home country, right? So when people see that person, they'll know a little bit about their home country by just spending a little bit of time with them, right? Go, if I can get to know this person, I can ha- kind of have an idea of what their home country is like. In the same way, we ought to be representatives, ambassadors of God, that when people have interactions with us, that they should go, I kind of have a little bit of an idea of what heaven is like, right? Amen? Yes? We should, right? When people leave conversations with us, leave interactions, they should go, I kind of, I kind of have an idea of what heaven would be like. Wow, I want that in my life. That when people... Leave, they leave better than they were when they started their conversation with me. Now, we're going to fail, right? It's not always going to happen, but that should be our aim. That when we have interactions with people, we recognize that, hey, I don't just represent God at church, I represent Him everywhere I go. I represent Him in the hallways, I represent Him uh, in the store, I represent Him at work. I represent him at home. I represent him when I'm having interactions with someone who can do nothing for me, but I still choose to be a good representative of God to them so that when I leave that interaction, they go, Wow, I think I know a little bit more about heaven. Simply because what? God uses people, right? And through those interactions, we see that God will draw people to the kingdom because of how we interacted with them. We are. Ambassadors, We are representatives. And get this, this is the highest privilege that we get to represent God. We're not representing ourselves. We're representing God. And so our whole identity now has changed because we are representatives of Almighty God. Let me close out real quick, give you five quick things of how we can represent Him. Number one, we trust Him. How do we, how, we, how do we represent God well? By trusting Him. This shows in our language and how we talk. We trust God. We, uh, we also obey Him. We don't just say that we trust Him. It shows in our behavior and how we walk with Him. We thank, we praise, and we worship God Almighty. It's an expression of our relationship with Him. Is to praise and to worship. We represent Him well to others, and then we address Him with reverence and with respect. Let's... let's isolate the use of the name of Jesus to bringing honor and glory to his name. Can we just make that decision right now that we're going to reverence him, that we're going to say Jesus, and we're going to say God in one way. It's to bring honor and glory to his name. Why? Because we just saw who he is. He is a powerful God. He He is one who is there for us all the time. So we are a privileged position. We have a privileged position. We have, he is available for us. We have access to his power, and we are representatives of his kingdom. Aren't you thankful to be a part of the family of God? Amen? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that through your son, Jesus, we can have relationship with you. And God, um, I just pray that we would live as representatives of you, walking in the power that you have for us. And we thank you that you've made it available for us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.
0: Hi, I'm Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to thank you for listening to our broadcast of Practical Living. I trust it was a blessing to you, and I trust that you're growing in your spiritual journey. Or perhaps you've never even started your spiritual journey, and today this is your opportunity to make a decision to move forward Getting to know Jesus Christ, letting Him have control of your life. See, the Bible says of Jesus that He stands at the door and knocks, and if anyone will hear His voice, you can open that door and let Him in. And if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, today is the day that you need to do it. In fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you'll pray this prayer sincerely with all your heart, mean it with all your heart, Jesus Christ will come into your life. Repeat this prayer after me. Say these words. Say, Jesus I know that I am a sinner, and I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong in my life. I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior of the world, that you died for me and rose again. Just simply tell Jesus, I believe in you. Now open up your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. By faith, I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, in Jesus' name. Now if you prayed that prayer with me just then, sincerely, I want you to know something. Jesus heard it. And he saved you. You're a new creation in Christ. You get a brand new start in your journey with God. But now you have to grow. You have to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus every day. And so we want to help you get started. And we have some resources available on our website that will do so called New Beginnings. So check them out. And again, I want to thank you for being a part of today's broadcast.